Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Have you ever wondered what God is like, or what Jesus was all about, or how you get saved, and what getting saved means anyway? Well, if you've ever felt embarrassed to ask, please don't. I really want to help you understand our big, amazing God. And a great place to start is a little book that I wrote called The Basics. God, You, Jesus, and Faith. And here's more good news. If you're always on the go and don't have time to read, you can now listen to The Basics as a podcast series. Just search for The Basics with Pastor Mike Novotny wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about judging and judgmental and everything you need to know about judging. And to be frank, that's the reputation we have as Christians. We are A, hypocritical, and B, we judge people. And why is it that we like to judge so much? Why is it, where does that come from? But to understand biblical judgment, we have to understand Jesus. And I think the best way to do that is look at John's description of Jesus when he came into the world. This is from John chapter 1. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So Jesus is living among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. If you want to judge like Jesus judges, and the Bible calls us to judge, you can't have just grace and you can't have just truth. Truth without grace is being judgmental. Grace without truth is pandering and neither is good. Let me give you an example. You have a friend who's wrapped up in alcohol. You have a friend who's having an affair. You have a friend who's addicted to pornography. You have a friend who's finding their value in their stuff. Now you can pander to them and say, hey, that's okay. I understand that. I've been there myself, but that doesn't help them. You can also be judgmental and say you're being an idiot and you're ruining your life. That's true, but there's no grace behind it. What does it look like when you put these two things together? What does it mean to judge like Jesus? It says, I love you as a friend. I care more about you than you can imagine. And this is hard for me to talk to you this way. I know you're struggling with something and I've, I've been there. I've had my own struggles, but I want you to have the life that God intended for you. I want you to have a life where it is full, like Jesus says, and that doesn't include a life of pornography or addiction to alcohol or finding your value in stuff. I want you to find a fullness in Jesus that is forgiveness and pushing these other things behind you. What does it look like to judge like Jesus? Just two simple things. Telling people truth, but it's only truth that comes through grace. And what I've found is the more gracious, the more loving you are to people, the more willing they are to hear God's word. Let's pray. Dear Lord, help us push off this label of being judgmental. Instead, be people known as people who love individuals, who love souls so much that we're willing to tell them the things that they need to hear. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, we're going to do a survey of the most misquoted passages in the Bible. Number one, God helps those who help themselves. Well, that's not actually in the Bible, not even way in the back. Number two, this would probably be number one, money is the root of all evil. That's not true. In the Bible, it says the love of money. That is the most misinterpreted passage of all time. But number two, very close behind it, is judge not. And they have to say it kind of like in this Renaissance kind of Batman voice, less ye be judged. So whenever you say anything to anybody, they're like, you can't judge me. And then they tell you the story which follows right behind it about a plank in the eye and you can't do this. But this is where it says in a normal English, Matthew chapter 7, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So let me tell you a little bit of a story. My grandfather, who's now in heaven, was part of a church south of Chicago and he personally felt this, not the church itself that a Christian man should not have a beard. 
I don't know the exact reasons behind it, but here's the problem. My dad grows a beard in like eight seconds. And if you ever played with a Play-Doh set where they put the Play-Doh in it and you push down the barber chair, that's like how fast his beard would grow. He has like four o'clock shadow. This takes work. This is like a fortnight shadow. But he would just grow the beard so fast. He went all the way down as a family. And my grandfather said, you have to shave that beard because no Christian man, I guess, or woman has a beard. My dad said no. Why did my dad say no? He said no because God's word did not say a Christian man could not have a beard. What was happening is my grandfather was doing just what the religious leaders were doing at that time. They were using their own measure to determine if this person was okay. Now, we all do that because we all have our own idea of what a Christian looks like and a believer looks like or how do they vote, what kind of stores do they go to, what kind of clothes do they wear, what color is their skin, how do they talk, do they have tattoos, do they have piercings, what color is their hair. We have all these things to determine. Is this person okay with God? But that's not the measure God uses. God says we should judge people with grace and truth. And the more that we love people, the more they're willing to listen to God's word. And the thing that we used to judge is not our own measure, our own ideas, but instead only what God says in his word. So let's pray for that same boldness. Dear Lord, as we talk to a world, as we have conversations with a world, help us love people enough that we tell them the very things they need to hear and help us be the person that they look to and say, you are a true friend. Thank you for telling me these things so I can grow closer and closer, not to your own measure of quality, but to what God desires in my life. Amen. I was just thinking about this the other day and I came to this conclusion. Christians kind of suck. And I say that because can you think of any other group that is more hypocritical or judgmental than anybody else you know? But here's the problem. I'm one of them too. I say one thing and I do another thing. I go to Walmart and the judgments fly. I make assessments about people in my head all the time. I judge how you parent. I judge how this person drinks too much. And then I judge this person because they don't drink at all. All these judgments and we're not even the first people that love to be judgmental. So in a very famous story, Jesus is talking with the teachers of the law and they bring this woman who is caught in adultery and this is what it says. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And if you know how the story goes, Jesus puts a line in the sand and says, Whoever has not sinned, go ahead throw the first stone and they all, one by one, walk away. So why is it that people hate Christians but they love Jesus? Like what is his secret? Is it that he's like the Jimmy Fallon of religious figures? Like Jimmy Fallon never says anything mean against his desk. They just kind of have fun and they hang out and I want Jimmy to be my friend. Is that how Jesus works? I don't think so. At the end of this account, Jesus says to the woman, Go, leave your life of sin. That's judging. How would your friend feel who is overweight? You said, stop overeating, leave your life of sin. I think they'd say, you're being kind of judgy here. So what is Jesus' secret? Jesus' secret is this. Every time he talks to someone, he does it for their own good. If I judge you and I give you the truth without grace, that's for me. I'll say that one more time. If I judge you, and give you the truth without grace, that's for me. That's so I feel better about myself, so I feel like a better Christian, so I look better. But if I love you and I tell you the truth, if I give the truth with grace, that's not for me, that's for you. 
Here's what I figured out. There is no one who loves you more than Jesus. There's no one who speaks the truth more poignantly to us than Jesus. And I've also figured this out. I might suck at being a Christian, but it helps me realize just how awesome Jesus is at being my savior. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, there are so many reasons that you should shun us. We're so judgmental and we bring our own ideas into everyone else's life. You have seen and you tell us what is true. You've told us that we have fallen short of your glory, but at the same time, you have accepted us. And when you say your words, you say them with grace, not for your own good, so you look better. You say them for us so that we can transform and we can live a life with the Holy Spirit that is meant to follow you. We ask this in your name, amen. I wanna ask you a question. Do you even like yourself? The Bible tells us that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And there's a whole lot of days that's not that difficult because there's a whole lot of days I'm not a real big fan of Jared. Love and hate, I think, are two sides of the same coin. And I can't think of anyone who is more critical of me than myself. But at the same time, I can't think of anyone who loves me more than I love myself. So how is it that these outside influences and this judgment that other people have have such a weight on us? I think it works like this. I think of our emotions like piano strings. And it's no big deal if they're plucking some string way over here. But what happens when someone from the outside plucks a string you've been plucking in your head for a long time? Maybe you have body image issues and then someone makes a comment. Boom. Or you're wondering about that you're overspending and you're ruining your budget and then pluck. They hit the same thing. You're late and you know it pluck, you have all these things, you drink too much, you, whatever it is, if they start plucking the same things you pluck about yourself, you go into this spiral of self-loathing. I think there's only one thing that's worse than these physical things. It's when you remember past things that you've done. You remember situations that you have wrecked. And again, this replay again and again, and you start telling yourself a story, and you get lower and lower and lower. There's only one thing that I think can snap you out of it. And that's Jesus. Jesus is utterly truthful with us. He says very clearly that the things we have done have offended him. He says very clearly that our actions push him farther and farther away. It's not our neighbor's fault, it's not our friend's fault, it is our fault that we have ruined our relationship with him. But at the same time, as he says to a hurting Nicodemus in John chapter three, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Faith at its root is simply this. You believe that what God says about you is true. It is true we have offended him, but it is absolutely true that you are forgiven in Christ. That means even when you bring up these past sins, you can't say, I'm not going to forgive myself and live this life of penance. You got to trust God enough to know that you truly are forgiven. Here's what I know. You might not always love yourself every day, but I do know every single day, Jesus adores you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're judgmental of other people, but we're probably most critical of ourselves. Help us get over this arrogance of thinking that what we say is more important than what you say. Help us have the faith to trust what you say about us is true. Yes, we have made mistakes and we have sinned and we've broken a relationship, but only through faith in you, you tell us the truth that we are your own children. Amen.
This past week, all three of my kids had a test. My daughter had to take her driver's test. My middle daughter had to take a cheer test for band. And my youngest son had to write a persuasive speech for his fifth grade class. No one likes to take tests. And there is no test that is bigger. No one likes to be judged when people eye you at the supermarket and they try and look at you and how you do your work or what you do or what you say or where you go or what you wear. None of us like that. But there's no bigger test that we're gonna face than the end of the world as we stand before Jesus. And this is what it says in uh, the book of Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels are with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. The people of every nation will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Kind of a scary moment to think that you're going to stand before all the nations and every single thing you've ever done is going to be laid bare before Jesus. And we have one of two choices. One, we could stand and say, I'm going to sit on my own works, God, and take a look at my resume and judge me from there and tell me if it is enough for me to enter your heaven. I don't think I like that when I think about how loveless I've been at time, how judgmental I've been at time, how often I've pushed aside God's word. When I just think about how many holes are in my resume for heaven, or you get option two. Option two just says, I'm with Jesus. Now, I said we never like to take tests, but my fifth grader got ready for a speech. It was entitled, Why a Fifth Grader Should Not Learn About Shakespeare. And he had a great line that said, Would you take your 10-year-old son or daughter to a movie that involves racism, sexism, and suicide. He got an A. He was so excited that when I went past him in the morning at 5.15 to go to the gym, he was already dressed for school and it had his backpack packed. He was ready to show what he had done. So that's my question. Are we going to go to heaven because we're going to show our very best to God? No. Instead, we say, I'm with Jesus. I'm with him. And the very one who judges us is the very one who defends us with his perfect actions. Through faith in Christ, we don't have to worry and with anticipation, we can look to the ultimate judgment as we enter God's heavenly gates. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we've done some good things in this world, we've done some bad things in this world. Even our best, though, does not measure up to your standards. Only Jesus can do that. So help us look with anticipation to the last day, to the ultimate judgment, not because our world is gonna be laid before us, and laid bare, but instead we can just hold on to what Jesus has done and through faith in him, we have heaven as our home. We ask this in your name. Amen.